Good to see everyone in the house of the Lord this morning. Cloudy outside, but sun is in our hearts, right? <laughs> and hopefully there's a little heater going on in there too, because it's a little, little chilly these days up here at the top of Texas. Well, this is not my first time in Quanta. I used to roll up and down Highway 287 quite a bit. I know all about Acme as an actual town and not a generic name. And I'll tell you, if you need gypsum, Hardeman County can fix you right up. It's doing pretty well as far as that regard. And I have been blessed to preach at some big places like St. Louis and Los Angeles, Indianapolis and such. But I tell you, just as much or maybe more meaningful is to preach in little places like Quanah. Because, you know, every single person is a unique creation of God. And you can, oh, thank you very much. Amen. I'm with you, brother. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I hear hallelujah. We all are unique creations of the Lord, including that little boy. And every person can be celebrated. And, you know, you think about it, do you have any more friends in a big town than in a little town like this? You know, I've heard about uh, Gerald's misfortune down there and how he's been uh, healing down in Lubbock from several people. I know a number of people in this town are praying for him. And it's wonderful to hear that as I go across from the museum and Sister Scarlett over there to over at Dutch's to over at the depot. You know that people care and that people know each other. And isn't that really what a community is all about is loving each other, knowing each other, and being together. And also, of course, even more, a church community, because we're bonded by the Lord. And I want to encourage you this morning that just because maybe there are uh, a few fewer people in this town than there were some years ago, and maybe we have a few fewer stores than sometime, doesn't mean that God has overlooked or is looking past Quanta, Texas. There's a spirit in this town of cooperation. I've seen places where the city and county commissions fight it out all the time, but they can't get anything done. They've got all these millions of dollars, but nothing good is happening. Here, folks do more with less, it seems like, than about anywhere else I can see. I'll tell you. And it's something that I think is lost sometimes as we seek the limelight and we seek the money, and we seek the fame, and all of those things that this old world has to offer. For example, where else could you go to a restaurant and get a Navajo cross? I'll tell you, that over here right on Highway 287, praise God, that one's going up for me. I love crosses, I tell you. Sometimes I don't like getting up on one and having me change with the Lord, but I know what's for my good, so I submit to it, praise God. And I love to see the different kinds displayed. And I tell you, where else could you get the town depot and museum to light up for you? I've got a little light. I'm going to let it shine right from the depot. <laughs> I tell you, Sister Scarlett, I, she's a real kick. I enjoyed her a lot. You know, she's a good Christian lady. She gave me some good prayer requests to have. Uh, she told me all about how... Uh, the local folks rescued the newspaper uh, from a fate that is called death. And not only did they rescue it, even though they're not journalists, I've been a professional journalist for almost 30 years now, I started in Amarillo, 
they actually are doing a better job than the folks who probably have been trained to do it. And I actually read that online, and I was impressed by how much local news there is from a county of only 4,000 people. That's amazing. And Sister Scarlett's doing her part. She's giving a column every week to talk about what's going on at the museum. See, that's community, and that's cooperation. So I want to encourage you in the Lord today. Keep on keeping on and cooperating and helping and joining together as one inside and outside the church. We're going to talk a little bit about both inside and outside the church and how to come together. And I have to say that we have had so much of a change in this world. I think pretty much all of us, maybe even the little ones, have noticed it. I started out my time in this area by going to West Texas State University, as God intended it to be called, of course. Uh, those years ago, it was a third of a century ago, I was an 18-year-old, just a year older than Eric over here, uh, and uh, got to meet before the service, all fresh-faced and uh, a lot thinner back in those days, too, as I was exercising a little bit more. I've got to be uh, getting on to that. And back in those days, a lot of folks went to church. And you could agree to disagree, you could talk about issues, and it was just fine. And you know, if you shook hands with somebody, it was a deal. <laughs> you knew what they said, and they knew what you said, and you just did it. Well, today, in a lot of places, not too many folks go to church. Jim and I were talking, he estimated maybe only one in four or five people, even in this town. And this is a town where you're going to find more faithful, probably, folks to going to church in the Lord than you are in most places, Right? And also, we have folks that will argue with you at the drop of a hat. Even if you didn't drop a hat, they'll argue with you. It seems like everybody is looking for some kind of fight. And we now file lawsuits to get out of carefully worded contracts. The new regime isn't doing real well, is it, that's been coming along. I want to encourage you, though, that God is just as much on the throne today as he was way back in 1986, when I went to WT, he hasn't stepped off it for one second. I'll tell you, the Bible is yet the inerrant, inspired, and infallible word of God. And Jesus Christ is the only way you and I are going to prosper in the here and now, as well as in the hereafter. And you know, when life around us changes, it's easy for us to get pulled out of position. We're out of our element just a little bit. Things aren't as natural or as easy when we come to a new place in spirit as well as a new place physically. But that's where the Bible and prayer come in and also the saints of God center us upon the Lord. And you know, most every place I've gone in this town, folks have mentioned Brother Wayne. And, you know, they were, did it unprompted. And you know what they remember about him? You know what they think about him? He was there with them physically. When there was a need, whether it was inside or outside this church, he was there. When the bus crashed and kids died, he was there, whether it was in town, out of town, or wherever. And you know what? If nobody else cared, if nobody else showed up, he was there. That's a testimony. He went through a lot of tests, and he took a lot of time. But you know, it's a testimony that really is wonderful about Jesus. 
and reminds us how we're living epistles, read of all men, as our brother Paul said. And so my message today is living godly in the carnal world. And we're going to go to Colossians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 17. Let us pray. Well, Father God, I thank you so much for the chance to come before the people today and to talk about your word. And I pray you order my words. And Lord God, send out the Spirit of God to each one to apply it to his or her heart as person needs. I thank you for this chance in Jesus' name. Amen. So we go over to Colossians. Uh, God's Electric Power Company is how one of my early pastors uh, helped me to remember the epistle's orders. I don't know exactly why that works, but it does. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians is how that goes. And so we're going to go to verses 1 to 17. I am in the New King James Version, which is just like the King James, except there are no these or thous in it. <laughs> it's yous and theirs. And so we read the word of the Lord. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Sit your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. My goodness, just reading that, I feel inspired. Wasn't he amazing? I mean, he did a 180-degree turn. He was going one way away from the Lord, thinking yet he was serving God, and then he came back right the other way. 
because he knew he'd been wrong. That's a person of character in the Lord Jesus, Paul was. Let's take a look at this section, my section, see if we can get something deep out of this from the Lord. We look at the first two verses, if then you will raise with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, when we repent of sin, we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave bodily as well as spiritually. And we make him our Lord and Savior, that we say we're going to follow him as best we know how to do. We're born again. The old us has died. The new us has been raised. But yet the new man is yet upon an old earth. And we have one that is surely very sinful. You know, a lot of the Christian life is a battle between earthly priorities and heavenly priorities and the challenges no less today. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest intellects since Paul in the faith, said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. A lot of churches today are into politics, lawsuits, multi-campus ministry, one church and people gathering in all different places and they telecast the service. Well, I don't see those in the New Testament. Do you think that Jesus would have run for Caesar? <laughs> that Peter would have sued John? Or that Paul would have telecast the sermons from Ephesus over to Colossae? Well, I submit to you that not only is the answer no, but these are even against Scripture. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, to no less than Pontius Pilate himself. In John 18, 36, Paul forbade lawsuits between believers. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 8. And the great apostle also told his assistants to find local leaders for the church. In Titus 1, 5 through 9. I give these examples because so many of us have forgotten the next two verses. Verses 3 and 4 in Colossians 3. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, God wants us to get rid of self and to promote him. Defending and exalting ourselves is very natural. But think of that, natural, right? To be Christian is not natural, but spiritual. That we don't hear much about that in Christian circles today, putting off self and putting on Christ shows that we've put a lot of emphasis on reaching people with the message of salvation, which is very, very important. But a lot of times we've made converts and we haven't made actual disciples, as in disciples of Christ. For example, we've all had people who've come down front or we know have made a commitment to Christ to be born again, that prayer of repentance and faith. But then after a few weeks, we don't see them at church anymore. And maybe we run into them on the street, and it's like nothing ever happened. What happened there? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 13, in the parable of the soils, there are four kinds of soils, and actually three of them have that life spring up from them, apparently eternal. There's one, the seed that is sown by the way. The word of God gets eaten up by the enemy, and so it doesn't take root. Obviously, those folks are off this chart. But then we have 
the seed that is spread on rocky soil and thorny soil. And the rocky soil, it springs up, but then when the heat comes, when the persecution comes, the difficulty comes, it withers because it doesn't have depth. Then we go to the thorny soil, springs up, but gets choked out by the cares of life, the dollars and the cents and the titles and all of that, and brings no fruit to maturity. There's only one soil of the four that has that happen, and that is that good soil, and it comes forth 30, 60, and 100-fold because it's fed by that river of living water coming out of us that Jesus talked about in John 7, 38, right? The Holy Ghost himself. So yes, we do need to tell the world about Jesus Christ, and I want to make sure that everybody hears about him clearly in Hardeman County and wherever the Lord would have us to be as a church, that there's no other way to be saved but by Jesus Christ, and he said it himself, but that we also need to teach those who come to the Lord. This is the beginning of a relationship. It's not the end of you spiritually praying this prayer. It's the beginning of that time of really getting to know he who is coming to live inside of you, the Lord God through Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that his word, his scripture, comes without error and with power. And that if we put Jesus first, we can have joy and peace in the Holy Ghost, even as this world goes to and fro, rocking and reeling in its instability. So let's take a look here at what's going on in verse 5 through 7. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. (laughs) We have to realize there, but for the grace of God, go we. Isn't that the truth? Well, I doubt I need to sell too many of you on the fact that we need to stay away from these particular practices. You know, the church universal does a pretty good job of preaching against sexual sin, the born-again evangelical church, also desiring what is someone else's, which would be covetousness. And indeed, Paul says that sinning against your own body is worse than some other sins in 1 Corinthians 6.18, and coveting is to put whatever we're desiring ahead of God. Just like they used to make idols of wood, now they make idols uh, out of car parts. <laughs> they might have idols out of construction materials, the houses that folks desire to have, and the rest. Yet the church universal has neglected to a great extent, I think, so much of our witness as we find in these next few verses, Colossians 3, 8 to 11. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. For there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. The majority of people who are saved, surveys tell us, are saved by the witness of a friend or family member. 
There are certainly those who are saved who uh, are led to it by clergy, who are led to it by Sunday school teachers, but most of it is going to be out in this community, not necessarily within the walls of this particular church. And that tells me that relationship is very important in leading people to Christ. A personal relationship between us people and then also to a personal relationship with God in Christ, right? Now, do you think that very many folks are going to say Jesus is Lord from somebody who's angry all the time, who's striking out at others, unforgiving, taking God's name in vain, or using a lot of four-letter words? Well, I would say no. Now, there are folks in the church universal, not just but all over the world, who say that we've got to be like the world to win the world. I submit to you that if there is no power in the church to be different from that which is natural, why would they come and get up early on a Sunday morning instead of sleeping in, give money in the offering plate, and volunteer their time? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? And that is exactly what is happening out there, is that those churches which have compromised the Word of God are shrinking. You know, the Episcopal Church, I can name it because it is clearly in violation of the Word of God in this country, it ordains practicing homosexuals, not just as ministers, but as bishops over other ministers. It has shrunk by more than a third over the last 30 years. Where there is no power, people are going to begin to leave. And that power is by respecting, preaching, and living the Word of the Lord by His Spirit. The ones who are growing, or at least maintaining, are those who proclaim, in Christ, we are a new creation. Behold, all things become new, from 2 Corinthians 5.17. So what is the character of this new man? Let's take a look at verses 12 and 13 of Colossians 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. I can't read that without thinking about the movie Tender Mercies, which is one of my favorites. Anybody ever seen that? Oh, it was a wonderful, wonderful movie about a broken-down country singer who reaches the end of the road, no money, in a weekly motel in a little tiny town in Oklahoma. It gets me the other side of the Red River. And rather than it being the end, it's just the beginning because he says, I can't pay my bill. And the lady who runs it says, well, you can work it off. And he did. He had made records and everything, but he was, yeah, I got to do this. And he falls in love with this lady and her little boy. She's a widow. And then he comes to know the Lord because she's a Baptist and she's going to bring him to church. <laughs> and he boy begins believing in, and God puts him back into music and begins to restore him now that he's bowed that knee. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful message? Would to God that we would have more movies like that. And so the follower of Christ is not like the world, just as he found out, that we're compassionate, kind, humble, patient, obedient to God. We bear with one another. We're not going to be easily provoked. Oh, the world loves to provoke us, doesn't it? And also 
We're not going to make an issue if we have a difference unless it's an important one. Yeah, somebody likes blue, like me, dark. Somebody else likes red. Well, that's great. God made all the colors. Well, let's celebrate it. It doesn't matter whether we have differences in colors. We vote for different parties, whatever. The main thing is Jesus Christ. And when you have him, he's going to bring everybody together on what matters, right? And so we also have to forgive each other. It talks about, uh, also in Matthew, how we get taken to the torturers if we don't forgive other people. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we're unsaved, but I'll tell you what it does is God takes his peace away, and our mind is calculating and all these things. Our joy is gone. And so we have to forgive just as we were forgiven, right? And he who's forgiven much ought to be loving much, <laughs> as the Lord says. And we Christians are to practice this with each other in the church, but also out in the world. The idea isn't necessarily to win the argument, but to be the best witness of Jesus Christ. That's part of that self-dying and becoming hidden with Christ in God. Most folks say that you have a right to do to someone what they did to you. But what did Jesus say? He said, if someone compels you to carry their equipment one mile, go with them too. He said that because that was an actual law under the Romans. A Roman soldier could take off all that armor and make you as a civilian, hey, you over there, you carry my stuff for me for a mile. And instead of rebelling, as I'm sure many Jews did, or trying to fight the man, he said, not only do that, do it without complaining, go with him two miles. Because you know what? God's got him taken care of. You're one of my people. It's all going to work out for good. And that soldier has a witness. Why is this guy not complaining? I mean, he's having to carry my stuff. This is, this is, huh. What did you say that your God was again? See? That's how God works. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12. We're in a spiritual battle here, my friends. And so we've got to fight it spiritually, not carnally. You know, my kingdom not being of this world, that means that Jesus isn't going to get big armies and get a lot of uh, military weaponry going. He has the power of prayer, and we have the power of prayer too, and multiplied all across the world, that's how we can do greater works than even what Jesus did on the earth because of that multiplied witness and the unity of the people of the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might say to me, Pastor, you know, if I'm patient and kind, I'll never get anywhere in life. You know, people are going to walk all over me. And I would ask you, who's in charge of this world? People or God? I hope you're going to say God. <laughs> Matthew 6, 31 to 33, which the Lord has really been putting on my heart these days. Jesus himself says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God's got all the power in the world, and depending on him to meet our needs rather than ourselves, frees us to be loving, kind, 
that wonderful kind of witness that doesn't behave like the world. It's not about us. It's about him. It's what our life is about now. In our last section, verses 14 through 17 of Colossians 3, but above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Have you ever been just walking along, or maybe you're working out in the fields, pastures, and you just start singing an old hymn, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's the joy of the Lord. It's your strength. <laughs> this verse reminds me of it. it. The word love here is agape. That's not just like I love chocolate, although sometimes it approaches that for certain people. But no, the agape here is selfless love of God. And as opposed to a single morsel of chocolate that costs you three bucks, this is a whole lavish feast of God's love is really what the image is in the Greek. For those inside the church, we have to remember Christ in John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I think our Lord wants us to love one another, right? In fact, I once preached at Bicota Baptist Church up in Amarillo, be ye kind one to another. I was thinking when I got that, is that a Native American church or what is it? No, be ye kind one to another. But for those outside the church, remember Jesus in John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. <laughs> and how much of the time do we just spend condemning the world and complaining about the world? You know, the world is very good at being worldly. They're experts in sinning. It comes naturally. But to get out of sin is heavenly, right? And so we've got to give them what we've got. Not that we're better than anyone. It's just we got rescued. And hopefully we can throw out a life preserver here in a society that is going down for the third time. You know, God's spirit comes into us when we're saved. You're not going to do it on your own. It's going to have to be God working. And the Holy Ghost enables us to not only love our Christian brothers and sisters like Brother Wayne, Sister Dolly or the other folks that are around. But he also does the much harder work of helping us to love the unsaved, the difficult people, the folks who swear, take the Lord's name in vain. You know, we used to do that very thing. In fact, I started my career in Radio 1 Amarillo, a talk show host and uh, news producer, and I was very unsaved back then. I used to delight in being able to rip off as many four-letter words as I could when the teletype used to mess up. You know, we'd get the feed from the Associated Press, and I'd be in there at 5 in the morning, it was messed up, and so I just ripped them off. 
and I kind of like to horrify people that way. And then I got saved. <laughs> and then a year later, somebody said a four-letter word next to me, and I thought, wow, that's jolting. And I realized, you know, I used to say that all the time. <laughs> you know, God had been doing that work in me without me even knowing. The Holy Spirit often does his best work in silence. And then he points to Jesus, and Jesus points to the Father. <laughs> How about that? Selfless, kind, and loving. Well, my friend, how about you today? What is your priority in life? What's your job number one? Mine used to be making money and getting that recognition and having those titles or getting those ratings and radio. Now it's to take as many people to heaven as I can. I know I'm going. God changed me. I, not only that story will tell you something, and forgive me if I do slip and the old man comes out there, and I'll forgive you, my friend, but there's so much else, you know. You realize there's a world to come that's so much better. Why would we waste the opportunity to reach people eternally and help to pull them out of hell while we still can? You know, this town is a wonderful little place, but... This beautiful building is going to burn up one day and pass away. That wonderful depot that we have, and you can get this for only $30. <laughs> you know, it's going to pass away. The school's going to pass away. But you and I and all the rest of these folks, are not going to pass away. Those folks out there aren't going to pass away. They're going to go one place or another. They're going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. Nothing in between, some other folks will say, it's not in Scripture. You have one life, and you've got to live it unto the Lord. And it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. That's all we have. No second chance at that point. Do you want God to use you to save souls? Do you want to have that salvation? Maybe you haven't begun the journey yet, but you want to have that peace. You want to know you're going to be with the Lord. You can have certainty because it's built upon the word of God. It's not built on what I say. It's not built on what anybody says. It's built on the Lord Jesus Christ in the scripture. He wrote it down so we could count on it in days when you have he said, she said, like we have out in this world today. Everybody's talking. Everybody's got an opinion. I want to know the truth. And the truth is Jesus in those scriptures. And do you need maybe the Lord to draw you to himself? Maybe you're saved, but you just don't have a lot of joy. You've been, you've been just burdened out by difficulty. You, you've had a hard time. I know some of you have. Gerald's been having a hard time. A lot of other folks have a lot of things that they're suffering from in silence. And thank God we ask for prayers and we ask for concerns. And we also rejoice in the praise reports here. Thank God for that, that we can encourage each other that way. My friend... We invite you to come to the altar for prayer because we'll pray with you and we'll believe God that he's going to heal, that he's going to take care of it. We give it to you.